0: As always, I am Mr. Drysdale. This is Mr. Eichler. You can find us on Twitter at Rev10D. I am very quiet on Twitter. I post a couple pictures of my cat occasionally. And K. Roxy So, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. We are going to talk about kind of the summation of our last, you said 17 months? Yeah, that's about that much. About 17 months of webcast, blogs, and defensive efforts so to speak in our lab environments basically trying to get better and better at catching what we do and then you know what more advanced people like Mike and Marcello and and what they do too so anyway in summary I guess I'm going to turn it over to Kent but what we're doing up front here is we're going to talk about a lot of the previous materials that we have put together over those last 17 months in that all of those things can lay the foundation for where we try to get you by the end of the webcast, which is a functional ELK installation, uh, catching, execution, and then getting better iteratively over time. Mm-hmm. So,
1: Which is it, because the whole idea is that you want to be able to catch the bad guy in your network. Now, ideally, you'd want to be able to stop him, right? But if you can't stop him, which is getting increasingly, increasingly more difficult, why not just try to find out as soon as you can when they were on your network? And that's kind of what we're looking at here is we're going to try to catch the the escalated movements and the lateral movements and the activity that a hacker might do on a network. So um, John Sturrand's quote here is that you're going to be hacked. It will not be over quickly and you're not going to enjoy it and to be prepared. So that's kind of past the point that you've stopped them. It's now that, yeah, you got hacked. And what are you going to do about it now?
0: And each of these... Links things we discuss has a link to either the webcast the blog, whatever whatever we're talking about what we're referencing so From an executive problem statement perspective There's a lot of content. I would say there's 10 webcasts. So that's 10 hours of your time We've been Jason can you confirm that we've been going back and sort of time stamping these webcasts with interesting? Points so that you yeah. can kind of bounce through them So the last 10 months of webcasts if you go to them on a YouTube channel, I'll drop it in a link um is that you can see the time code and you can jump right to those spots in those webcasts. Uh, so you can go to the actual topic that you want. And that was feedback from an attendee at ShmooCon last year where she said, sometimes I just want to jump to the thing I want to learn and that's why we did it. Excellent, yeah. And, and it's been very valuable, right? That, that helps us too as we jump back into these webcasts trying to find a thing and then go from there.
2: So, this is
1: interesting. Why are we doing this? And it's, we've been doing this for quite a while now. And by this, I mean, why are we on webcasts all the time? Why is John doing webcasts all the time? Why are so many people at BHIS presenting information to the community? And I guess from, from that perspective, we're not getting a whole lot out of it. If you want to say BHSO, well, they're just, you know, for sales. We're not really selling anything in these. Um, a lot of webcasts you go to, they're selling a product or whatever, and half the, the time it's about that, and that's not what we're doing. We're trying to make the industry that we work in more prepared, and it is kind of altruistic for us. Um, our goal here is to produce better and more effective logging efficiently, right? So that we're not wasting time trying to figure out how to do this. So we can present something to you that says, here's how you do this, get it done quickly, and we're putting time into it so that you don't have to. We're doing it using open source and well-documented um, items to do that. So, yeah, you can go out and buy big name products, and it it in theory, might save you time and effort. Ironically, a lot of those big products uh, use a lot of open source backends, so we're kind of skipping that, and we're we're doing something that's used using open source tools. Now, some of the tools we use aren't open source, right? Uh, Windows Event Log, it's not open source, but it's part of Windows, so you know that's the caveat there. And the whole reason we're doing this is to make the better place, uh, the world a better place, and we want to do that together. And in terms of how we do this, we're still working for BHIS. And, and we're not putting uh, a lot of our work time into this. We're putting this uh, late, late nights. You know, we're sacrificing for the community. And, you know, it's a hat tip to the open source community because we realize what people put into the open source community. And it's, it's not, on, you know, part of their day-to-day job. A lot of that open source community is working evenings and nights, you know, away from their family.
0: With very minimal, like, kickbacks, yeah. so to speak, kickbacks. There was a story about the guy who wrote OpenSSL not that long ago. Who requested some financial support got like (laughs) eleven dollars, even though it's in every single major platform product ever in the history of ever. But anyway, that's yeah, a lot of late nights. I'm more of a morning person. I can't make it much past eleven or twelve, and but I do like being up at (laughs) five a.m. Don't want to talk about it. (laughs) No, definitely not. All right, let's get on with this. (sighs) So I guess from getting started perspective, this. This isn't necessarily solving a problem. And why isn't this solving a problem? If if you go read uh, the Verizon data breach report, at this point in, you know, US and, and global IT, logs are not how people are detecting adversarial action on their networks, right? You're usually getting a call from the FBI saying, hey, you were processing credit cards, those credit cards, we pointed all these customers back to you, so, you didn't really do a great job of catching bad behavior on your network we are trying to i guess shift that paradigm that you can catch your own adversaries when they break into your network and uh, i guess improve that
1: you know from an ir perspective even if you can't if you catch them you can't stop them the fact that you're going to have all of this data this evidence in one place it's going to be huge you know it's going to really, really going to Impact uh, the amount of damage that you can sustain because when someone does come in and help you with this You're gonna have all this in one place. You might need help sorting through and making sense of it But Mm -hmm. just because you didn't catch it real time, you're going to be able to much better handle uh, You know the management of that crisis
0: So this was a webcast we did following up with Attack Tactics 5 and 6, which is okay, we, we built a contrived environment that included an OWA and a VPN, and we broke in and we used Crack map Exec and basically pillaged the place. And then we sent some fish and we got Cobalt Strike beacons all over the place. And we basically demolitioned the environment intentionally via contrived means. But afterwards, we couldn't really find all of the evidence that we wanted to, right? Like we didn't see the Outlook logs where we do credential validation using Atomic, or not Atomic, uh, Atomizer from Marcello or uh, Mail Sniper from Bo. But this effort here kind of put together all of the detections and the evidence we needed on our Windows endpoints as a follow-up to destroying an environment.
1: That was the uh, webcast where uh, I think I went in and set off a Cobalt Strike Beacon on every system in the network. <laughs>
0: And then we joked about, like, this is actually going to be really hard to find with default logging. Yes. Exactly. And it's, it's a mess. Like Kerberos, right? You would think Kerberos, would sh- Kerberos ticket operations would show up in a log mm-hmm. by default. You would want something like that. Or credential validation attempts. You would want those in your logs. At default, they're just not there.
1: So almost, I think this was last year we did this one. And this was best practice to frustrate attackers. This was not last month because we did someone, something similar last month, we actually talked about group policies. And we kind of did this in this order for a reason. Yes, it's been a, a whole year already, but you know, for a lot of this to work, if you have a very messy active directory domain, I mean, I guess that's security by obscurity because an attacker is gonna have a heyday trying to find anything, but on the other hand, you're really slowing down your ability to do much in the environment anyway. So we kind of talked about best practices in Active Directory uh, last year and how to develop Active Directory in such a way and design it in such a way that you can efficiently migrate through the environment. Your support team can find things quickly and they can support the environment quickly. And that's really important. And, you know, even the things we talk about today are going to be very difficult if your Active Directory is a mess. And we kind of talked about that last month. You know, If you've inherited a very messy Active Directory or if you're a conglomeration where you've assimilated other companies and you've just brought their domain into the tree into the forest rather it can get really messy and it's important to make sure you have good hygiene and active directory to take care of that so that's kind of what we're getting at here go back and watch that webcast if you're in that environment that is kind of a mess there's some really great ideas on how to handle that
0: yeah it also talks about right like testing your own Password hygiene mm-hmm. like I loved that slide in here where it shows you how to use out not necessarily Adamizer But mail sniper right you can go or domain password spray your own environment so, you know if Employees have winter 2019 or winter 2020 is coming up December 2019 December 19 bang. all these things that we're gonna try Initially to get in so there's a lot of discussion here not necessarily about the group policies Which was one of my favorite webcasts, just in research, but this is this is an interesting webcast in that it is a a broad perspective of how to configure active directory from our perspective from an adversarial perspective to make it hard on us so anyway let's move on and then at5 attack tactics 5. this was a really fun one for us in that we got to take down our environment right we had interns helping us do things and click on things and break things and
1: i feel bad for our windows lab that's still out there that has lasted almost a year and has been pillaged and destroyed and been on an attack
0: surface for everything we do it's getting to be a mess in the room it is next an absolute year. disaster i i pinged egypt last night about 11 o'clock and asked hey dude are you, i'm getting some alerts are, are you in our lab right now like pillaging the place no oh okay well i gotta do ir on the lab real quick thanks real <laughs> quick really quick, <laughs> really quick. But we have the logs we need we have elastic it's pretty quick and easy to go figure out where the source machines are and where the stuff is coming from so um yes this lab is a mess at this point but
1: so what we're going with this um is we're kind of going back and looking at the different things we've done to defend and attack networks because that's all going to be relevant to what we're actually going to talk about today so
0: oh this is amazing there's a, a really interesting point in here john used to talk about his i don't want to call it a body double but a doppelganger so to speak and then they had some you know back and forth tiffs about it one of them is an underwear model apparently this is a real thing like john strand underwear model versus john strand hacker (laughs) so this guy's suggesting you go google john strand it autofills underwear (laughs) it's brilliant so then in 86 john basically kicked us out and said you're not involved we are going to do this again. I am going to do this again from a perspective of all of the things you did and where indicators of compromise should have triggered me as a blue teamer to catch you as an adversary. So AT6 was the follow-up to us destroying an environment with all these tools and, and whatever techniques we used. So he talked about canary tokens and what two-factor is, why that matters to you, how it you know can improve your life, obviously. User behavioral analytics, so, anyway, this is a, another great webcast, all John and AT6, but.
1: Let's have about chat about. <laughs> I think it works for so many.
0: It sure does, doesn't it? We're, did we miss the salt and pepper? Is that coming up? No, it was at the very first slide. Oh, should we go back? No, uh, we should okay, not go back. Always forward. It's never straight. Further. F-U-R-T-H-U-R. Okay, so then, go ahead, Kent. You want to talk about this one? We were looking for a great place to take a picture, and that didn't, just didn't work so out. So, this is the webcast where I didn't have
1: hair. I believe, and uh, we talked about all the blue teams that we were kind of at in that position, and it was, it was interesting, things that we could do and couldn't, couldn't do and how we could catch things and how we couldn't catch things and how we could defend and how we couldn't defend, and it quickly became obvious that you can, you can catch all this really, really easy by logging, like, everything, and then you ran into, like, cool, awesome, there's a cost against that, and it's like you can defend everything by shutting everything off. But then you don't make any money as a business, right? So you had to identify what your acceptable risk was. And you you could or could not practice paralyzing paranoia. And that's where you lock everything down to such a point that you can't do anything at all. And we talked about in uh, blue, pit, blue Team... Man, I can't even say that word now. Blue Team... A Palooza or A Blue Palooza Team Defensory. Defensory sounds way better. What were we thinking?
0: Yeah, indeed. So, so
1: we regardless. Talk, yeah, we talked about bringing information to your C-level and, and asking them certain things about, you know, for example, password policy. Uh, our password policy is only eight minimum characters. How can we you know get that higher? It needs to be up to 15 or 20. And we talked about uh, ways we could talk to your C-level and make that happen. But the point was that they had to be your friend because they were going to the board and cabinet to help you do that. And, of course, assume compromise, which is never a fun one to do.
0: And you did bring up another point that has been asked in here, and that's scale, right? How do you handle the scaling of logs? And, again, when you're talking about open source solutions, right, Elastic has ran into this. So now you can cluster your Elastic stuff. You just need to throw resources and time at building your cluster, properly configuring all of your alerting and monitoring. And so it's just it's time. 40,000 disparate systems. John talks about that in one of these upcoming slides here where, yeah, ingest is difficult in that, yeah, we can look at Windows logs, except Windows logs doesn't stick to syslog standardization. Your Cisco routers, they chose their own stuff. NetFlow data, completely different. All of these things coming into a central repository can be an absolute disaster. So then we kind of got going on sysmon once we figured out that windows logging really like just sucks out of the box it takes time and effort to configure and then installing sysmon we get about I don't know 90% of what we want yep
1: it's interesting as we went through we said this is about 17 months or so and just seeing how things have changed in 17 months the stuff is now being brought up and it's you'll hear BHS talk about sysmon in pretty much every webcast now because we really want people to go to that way and it's I mean again it's open source but the point is that we found a tool that makes sense and is working
0: Mm -hmm. indeed so this this was a fun webcast too in that he, he Deploy Sysmon, shows you the group policy for deploying it in five minutes, demonstrates AppLocker, locking things down, catching all that stuff, and and really discussing what we just talked about in that all the disparate nature of logs is hard, but...
1: I mean, in pre-show banter, I made the comment to John, it's like, yeah, you said you could do this all in five minutes. And he says, well, I can do Sysmon in five minutes. <laughs> the rest is we kind of talked about this earlier, like why BHs is putting all this time into this, and it's not easy. I mean, we've spent a ton of time just to get screenshots for this webcast and, you know, to get to the point that we might be able to do a demo in the webcast. And the reality of it is doing this is not five minutes, SysMod is five minutes mm-hmm. if you watch the webcast and, and you know, can quickly do things and have all the files prepared. But the rest of this, it's not that easy and you really have to, you know, there's not a lot of tutorials out there that say do this, do this, do this, and do this or there might be, and they don't work as, as prescribed. And it's very interesting in that nature that it's not five minutes. And mm-hmm. to get to the point where we are now, it's taken us 17 months of webcasts and all the research behind that.
0: Mm-hmm. And how many intern hours on all that? Oh, plenty. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy to think about. So, regardless, Sysmon and Elk has accomplished 80 to 90% of our mission. Mm-hmm. You know, enabling... TGT monitoring and Kerber roasting and some things on exchange. PowerShell transcription, these things have really kind of capped off and got us to about 95 to 97% of what we want to see when we execute things in networks. So then John, again, this is part two of his Sysmon AppLocker Elk, where he is really, you know, he's diving into, I think, Helk in this webcast. Am I wrong? One of these two is on hellc where I he demonstrates. I do think it was this one, but it okay. was,
1: I do like the fact that he said, you know, using AppLocker, 95% of the, the bypasses are going to fail. And I, um, it's interesting from that perspective. And I think the, the point comes down to logging is still really important. And, like, last uh, webcast I said, log everything, which is really cool because we can do that now in terms of space. But when you actually start to, to look at the ability to. Ingest that and find what's important, it becomes much more difficult. And that's where you know Sysmon comes into play. It's where the uh, elastic words comes into play that we're gonna talk about later.
0: Okay, so I think we're at a good place. CJ, Jason, questions? Anything you guys want to address here at this point? I see his
2: lips moving. You're on mute, CJ. Oh he's not there we go. There we go. All right, Mike. No problem. Uh, so as far as detecting specific techniques, so this user is asking specifically about attacker dumps Active Directory hash database by a volume shadow copy. That um, is awesome. We will
0: actually get there to that very exact thing, and that is the goal, right? And we're going to show you how we have gone through the rinse repeat process using the Atomic Red Team. Red Canary has built a tool that really can show you the way to using Helk, Alk, whatever, Splunk maybe, whatever your detection mechanisms are. The Atomic Red Team can supplement your efforts in getting you to that next level of catching people and bad things before they happen, right? You are going to execute these commands and you're going to see them show up in your dashboards. It's going to give you the indicators of compromise you need to go start your IR processes. This is going to start you down the path of executing dangerous things on your network in a very controlled manner so that you can continually improve your logging, your alerting, and your fixing.
1: Um, I do like the comments on made that if you have a 100 gigabyte gigabit network interface that's full, you can very quickly fill up your, log,
0: your, ten, your ability to ingest logs. I don't know a whole lot of companies until you get up to, I don't know, Fortune 100, a lot of data 50,000 AD account I, I I can't imagine ingesting a hundred gigabits per second on a network yeah that's and that, making forwarding decisions uh, as a device yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's just crazy man.
1: <laughs> to have to have a, uh, a tap that's ingesting that much is
0: yeah, a like a system the, behind that like the Nara 700 yeah anybody seen that yeah. anyway CJ what else you got
2: yeah, someone asked about uh, anything you got on specing these systems out for performance. I tried it at home. Said it, yeah, it's pretty our, demanding.
0: Our lab is, is small—30, 30, 35 workstations, a few servers, um, random things going on all the time. Right? Kent's white noise script, which is making constant requests for websites in the uh, Alexa 100. And I think we
1: agree, Helk is hungry.
0: Yeah, it is. And we we deployed it with 10 see 10 gigabytes of ram yep. and for that system i haven't had any tr- i had some trouble with it initially of course troubleshoot some stuff and it's it's running really effectively at this point but you know scale is everything
1: we got security on to work well we, we tap All of our taps went to a security union. We got to the point that we really couldn't handle that running virtualized. We actually had to run it on bare metal. And at that point, it could handle things fairly well, but we know we're still missing things. And that was with running Brill on our taps and everything. So it, it can get I mean, 64 gigs of RAM and a spinning disk. That might be the problem, but it, it still yeah. gets hungry pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, the cool thing
1: is with Elk, you can go down, I believe it's under the status page. We'll tell you some information about if there's delay on writing, channels or writing alerts to channels. Now we can kind of get an idea, but to get to that point, you really have to start and kind of grow from there. So.
2: And then Jordan, anything on uh, any resources you're aware of on help in the AWS or equivalents? Or? Oh, holy cow. I would treat that as if If the
0: Specter Ops crew hasn't deployed an AMI that is pre-configured for Helk, I would treat my deployment of Helk on AWS as I'm gonna go get a beefy EC2 instance, and I'm just gonna do exactly what I did on-prem.
1: It's gonna be expensive. It is gonna be
0: very expensive, yeah.
1: I think that's why we ended up, you know, purchasing equipment to do this on-prem. I suppose, in reality, we spend a lot of money on electricity, but air
0: conditioners are good too. Yeah, exactly. Um, are we good? Are we about caught up? Keep rolling. Lots of questions, but you guys are going to have to roll. Okay, no problem. So then this this was honestly one of our most popular webcasts. This was um, so much fun to research and it's created a ton of work going forward for us. Yeah. Right. We're going to break this out into here's our tiny environment. Here's an attack and here's a group policy that kills that. So we're going to try to drop five to six minute videos on that whole chain individually so there there's a lot more to come out of this one but this was one of my favorite and personally most valuable webcasts and there's more to come on that because we we list off like the top we said like five ten
1: fifteen like got huge of all the different attacks we wanted to cover that could be stopped with group policy i think those are going to end up being smaller webcasts or smaller videos we're going to post because there's so many we just can't get through them that
0: yeah and then a number of blogs we used i was referencing a, a blog from 2017 written by um, Derek who, you know, has gone through and identified a whole bunch of interesting Windows event IDs. We did, uh, I referenced both of John's blogs on Sysmon App Locker using the help deployment from Cyber CyberWardog, who's Spectre Ops, huge props on that effort. I would personally believe it not to be an alpha project at this point and that it's moving into beta. Not sure if there's been a lot of effort put forth recently, but it is functional to our needs. Um, the Sysmon configuration stuff, event forwarding guidance, IAD.gov, for those of you uh, unfamiliar, IAD Gov is a GitHub maintained by the Information Assurance Directorate or Directive. This is taxpayer-funded coding provided by the, guy, uh, the government, basically. So check out this GitHub repo. Um, there's a ton of fun things on there. They try to do a really nice job of getting stuff together for uh, the benefit of cybersecurity operators. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this yeah, is yours. Okay, so, yeah. okay. Hey, we made it past part one. Okay, so we're going to look at Windows event logging. We've already talked about it in the past, right? It's it's just terrible, but it works. And the great thing is it's almost free because you have to have Windows. In previous webcasts, we talked about using Sysmon to run on your workstations to catch things. Other good options are OS Query and Waza. They each have each captured things differently, but still can be used in a similar way to capture things. When we go forward from here, we're looking mostly at Sysmon, though. Windows event log forwarding can take the event logs from one workstation and send them off to, you know, your, your data, your domain controller, or maybe to a, a system that does nothing but that because it can get really. Uh,
0: really, really intense. noisy. Yeah,
1: for sure. And then we're using wind log Beats either on each workstation, which can also get noisy, or from where you're sending those event logs. To, and then sending those to another place. And Where do you send them to? There's some options out there. Elk, we're looking at Helk, which has some pre-built, signatures in it. Also, Security Onion has pre-built signatures that also has signatures for Sysmon, so there's different options out here. The thing you can see that's consistent here is the amount of, that this stuff costs, and that's zero, right? It's, it doesn't cost anything to do these things. They're open source, um, for the most part, with the exception to you know the Windows Event Log forwarding, uh, Windows Event Log itself. And then now we're also going to talk about you know, the last Alert and going forward, also the Atomic Red team and how that plays a part.
0: Absolutely. Um, somebody just made a point that NXLog, I also deployed that in accordance with Derek's blog. So you, you do have to once you get things to your subscription destination, which is where your windows event forwarding is sending logs. You do have to pick those up and then ship them to your ingester. So NX log wind log beat. There's other things that can do that. But but yes, that's a, a very valid point. So let's introduce the atomic red team. For those of you who have not seen this utility this was introduced to me by Kerry Roberts, who is a wizard at all things, smartest person alive as far as I'm concerned at this point, and uh, basically allows us to run a whole bunch of checks against the MITRE attack framework. Are we interested in a particular APT and catching all of their efforts? Let's say we're in the aerospace industry and there's a three or four APTs that target aerospace. We can use the Atomic Red Team to pick up those APT techniques And then run them in our environment and then fine-tune the optics we have against those specific attacks you can also go another way and just take a specific technique a t like t1003 which is credential dumping and then figure out how we can catch see Witness all of those things. So the goal
1: here is to take Atomic Red Team so you can simulate those attacks. And I should I shouldn't say it's simulate. It's actually doing the
0: attacks. It right? actually it's
1: actually going attacks, to do yeah. the exploits. But the whole purpose of doing those is so that you can test your logging and your alerting and see that yes, the Atomic Red Team completed successfully. Here's the output of that. I was able to run the exploit successfully. So that's a test of your controls. And then the next part is to test whether or not you're able to capture that in logging. So were you able to capture just the the detail in logging? That's not Atomic Red Team doing that. We're just using Atomic Red Team to help us simulate those exploits or run those exploits. And then the rest of the framework we've built with different open source tools are helping us get to the point that we can now use Atomic Red Team to run the exploit, use all these other different tools to get to the point where we've got that in an interface where we can now look at it and alert off of it, right? And then if you've missed it, then you can make some changes to your logging and go back and run the Atomic Red Team again. Make sure you get that successful response and then check your logging. And you're able to tweak your logging very, very quickly that way
0: absolutely so again simple easy to execute improve your detections in accordance with mitre attack big shout out here to the red canary crew some of them showed up at our talk besides Denver which was awesome Mm -hmm. these this is a great great crew give them follow on Twitter whatever however you ingest give them a shout out these people are doing amazing things they are making the world a better place for sure so one-liner install Uh, I execute this stuff as an administrator on our network that's fine but you don't have to right you can execute these things as user level to again detect your detections (laughs) I'm not sure how to say that inception style and I absolutely do not use atomic red team on a red team because to change modify and tweak what happens in there you're gonna have to i don't know edit 30 yaml files on some of these attacks right if t3 is or t1003 is credential dumping it may execute nine different checks you've got to modify all those to make sure they're doing the right thing and that they're uh quiet right we're on a red team so i don't know no this is this is a blue team tool at this point this is an offensive defensive tool
1: it'd be very <laughs> noisy for uh, a red team if you want to get it.
2: caught this is how you will use it
1: I suppose with the internal penetration test maybe or a pivot test or c2 but in general I don't think you'd be used as a red team because it's gonna be very noisy and the whole goal of this in our use case is we're running this to catch ourselves running it so you know the idea that you'd use it for a red team would be down the wrong path I suppose yeah, yeah indeed Uh it was an easy install then
0: did it just work? Was it a five minute install? This was a like 47 second install.
1: And everything passes now we're invoking, right?
0: Yes, okay. pretty much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to look at some more details. But this is a very, very cool attack too. The squibbly do, right? Now we're, we're trying to get past all the app locker, application whitelisting. We're seeing what you can execute in your environment.
1: So T1117, T1117, um, that is a component in Atomic Red Team that you can run and now run over and over and over again, right?
0: Absolutely, until you're catching this execution and being able to attribute the execution of regserv serve 32 against a DLL, identify the system, get it back to your alert dashboard and make your life better, right? Get out in front of, okay, someone executed something dangerous, they're trying to move laterally now, we need to go do IR on that system. Got it, so T117 is in the catalog of attacks or exploits. Yep. And obviously if that's 117, there's a lot of them. That's 1,117. I believe these start at T1, 0, 0, 0, 1. So at
1: least 117. And this was somewhere in the middle age. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, I see your point, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of attack
1: options in there. and um, We will say don't run all of them because one of them, I think you told me about this, one of them will actually, what is it, delete the master boot record? Yeah. And then reboot, <laughs> yeah manipulate so.
0: them. Yes, manipulate the master boot record and then... Don't put that one in a group policy. Yeah, and then reboot. So farewell, <laughs> unless you're, if you're running in a VM, excellent. Otherwise, say goodbye. <laughs> so we catch this, right? We now have Elk running, or Helk, or whatever you're doing, and we can see it. Okay, so Helk
1: went from we ran the exploit with Atomic Red Team. Yep. Um, we then used Sysmon to monitor the system, yep. which dumped the log of this into an event log. Yep. Which we then used Windows Event Forwarder to push it to another system. Yep. And then we used that system with log Beats to put it into Helk, and then we have Helk looking for Sigma. In, not yet. Not yet. Nope. Okay, but it's We're, in Helk and that's where you captured the screenshot. Yep. So exactly. all those things chained together, got us the
0: visibility we needed. Yep. So we see the execution of registered 32 against the DLL that pops calc, as you can see in that previous screenshot. But we can talk about that a little more. Here's our atomics. Let we get this thing up. Oh, me? there's a lot of attacks in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole ton, right? Remember, adversarial techniques, map from MITRE, cloning the atomic red team, in theory, installing that on your system. Brings in the entire Atomics container. These are all checks you can execute. Some of them are Linux, some of them are Windows, some of them are Mac. But as you see, one, we install, we get the Atomics container. Two, we go look at the YAML if we're interested in what's actually going on. And then we run the attack against T1015. And what do we get? This one's really cool, actually. Whoops, another step back.
1: (laughs) <laughs> hey, Web and WinlogBeat, we talked about that. Yeah, go ahead, sir. So, WinlogBeat and, and Web, right? So, Windows Event Forward, we talked about Sysmon dumping into an event logs on the local machine. Yep. And then we're using Windows Event Forwarder to put it to DC or to your designated collector. And then we're using WinlogBeat to take the data from there and push it over to Helk, Elk, Sysmon, yes. Studion, etc. These are not the five-minute setups
0: well no. specifically these some are the things. ones that we stumbled on yeah. figuring out how to put together all the pieces to get the stuff where we wanted to go so we took two steps back there right we installed the framework we execute a test we catch the test but how did we get there
1: so i think interesting here is just kind of talk about um the different the, the different setup you have to do to make this all work because you have to have that windows event log forwarding the sysmon container right but then on top of that are there other logs you also want in there that you want to go to the same the same location on Windows event forwarding, or do you want them to go to a different log collector, or do you want them to go to a different Helk? And all that is configurable, and when you first set up, I think is it just looking at security logs when you first set it up? Or do you use the uh, It's, on it's
0: just looking at application okay. logs, right? Swift on Security would be a Sysmon configuration. Sysmon configuration,
1: and you're using Windows event log, and you have to specify the event logs that you want forwarded, not the, yes. ev- not the event log type IDs, but the actual container they're in,
0: right? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Okay, so then, now. Do we have the thing? Excellent. So T1015 executed OSK, right? An on screen keyboard, the magnifier, the narrator. Can we execute any of these things? And we get a logging output, right? So this logged.csv file, that is what we see here in output. It tried five separate tests. Those separate tests are each hopefully caught and sent to our Helk, Kibana, Elastic Stack, processed by all these things and alert us, let us know what's going on.
1: So that log is actually the log of red team doing its job of simulating attacks. Correct. Got it.
0: As a user, yep. So these are the things in that particular test on the left. These are the output of the execution of that test, and then hopefully our next slide shows us catching that stuff. So then, again, we catch it, we see it, we're doing better. We can attribute it to a specific workstation. Um, our lives are improving, right? We're, we're catching execution of rare executables. So and again, this was in Sysmon. This was in Sysmon This, this was from Sysmon. Two okay. Windows event log picked up by the subscription and forwarded, grabbed at the forwarder and dumped into Logstash. Logstash processing rules, then put it in our Kibana dashboard appropriately. Log indices yes so yes there's a lot of bits and pieces here this is not 5 minutes but we are getting closer to being able to deploy this in a network in a full day uh, i don't i don't know how long do you think it would take you at this point Just not know, 17 months like it took us <laughs> <laughs> i would say that's exactly right okay so we are we are kind of moving along here let's let's take another break here cj what do you got
2: like the stars <laughs> So many questions. <laughs> well, we've only got four or five slides left, so you guys rock. All right, well, uh, why not use OS Query versus Sysmon?
0: I tested OS Query, and I don't have any specific reason to choose one or the other. Right, nice. I, they're both exceptionally effective at what they do, which is catch and provide optics into an endpoint, and that's what All we right. want. Right, OS Query ingests are beautiful, just
2: like Sysmon. Great. Thoughts on log shippers, WinLogBeats, and audit beats. Yep, we used WinLogBeat. I tried NXLog.
0: FileBeat is similar, yes. You can drop FileBeat on your Linux boxes with an apt install, with, with whatever. I was immediately seeing my SSH logins, my user stuff. Yes, FileBeat works the same.
1: Here's where I destroyed my environment when I was doing this. I was like, you know what, it's cool to just ingest this, Mom, but I, come on, I want to ingest it all which works really good unless you don't have things sized appropriately because you can start tipping stuff over really fast and I think someone else mentioned that how do you right-size this and and this environment we right-sized it for sysmon ingestion right Mm -hmm. but if you start ingesting everything you have to have something on the back end the table to support it where you will just tip this stuff over and and that's not useful at all so
2: I don't think there's an an easy answer to that we had a lot of questions on the scaling and you 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 gave some indicators go to hardware Right? Scaling is a huge challenge, and that's the key Absolutely. of architecture.
1: The, yeah. the nice thing is if you are using Helk or Elk or, or Security Onion, they will tell you how it's doing and how it's recording, right? So you can go into the processing on the Cabana interface, go down to the status, and it will tell you if there's delay on writing things to disk or writing the indexes. Index I?
0: <laughs> Indices.
1: <laughs> Indices. And, uh, also on windows right the windows event forwarding will also tell you if there's a delay in it ingesting logs so if you're using those two you're going to have an indication whether or not you're right sized or not i suppose it would be possible that you're going to start you know filling networks as well uh, just the uh, transient networks with data if you start pushing too much
0: yeah sean just made an amazing point sean we were blue teamers once and it's so hard Oh, so <laughs> I remember shuddering at night. I got the eye twitch really, really bad. Like uh, my right eye would twitch constantly during the day, and I would go home and I would get like, you know, you'd relax on the couch, and your eye like twitch would start. <laughs> Dude, blue teaming. Uh,
2: uh, yes, <sighs> it's hard. Any anything on Windows Event boarding, The difficulties when you've got like a mobile dev- mobile fleet, right, and that that's not working well. Yeah, so yeah, that's a whole other, So we
1: do have an environment similar where we've got uh, we've got a bunch of cloud systems out there for BHIS, and we're we're dumping those kind of logs into our security union that we operate. And it, it's traffic, right? there's a lot of traffic coming in. and the irony about that is those cloud systems, we're monitoring all the traffic on that. So we've got a bro logger there. and every time that sends logs in, We've also got that tap so we're generating logs on the logs that are coming in. And then later on in the network, we've got logs that are generating on the logs. that are generating on the logs. Ridiculous stuff. But, yeah, it's definitely scary, right? My suggestion on that would be to use some sort of failover with load balancing. Use multiple IP addresses. Don't use IP addresses. They'll use DNS names. So that if you're on the back end, you have to move your systems. You're not stuck because you use an IP address originally. So use DNS with load balancers. Have a beefy system that can collect it and have a reliable internet connection to make sure that internet connection is large enough that you can have that data coming in. And then, of course, you're going to have to whitelist that data and probably inspect it to make sure no one found your incoming data because you're going to have to have most of the internet open to capture your mobile uh, workforce. So that is kind of scary thoughts. I guess you could whitelist, like, all the mobile carriers, but then you're going to get someone that goes to Starbucks that you're not going to catch because they're on Starbucks Wi-Fi network. And, yeah, that's definitely a consideration there. Indeed.
2: Cool. Keep going. Well, uh, patch came up uh, for memory leaks and Sysmon. Any uh, admin tips for how you would update Ooh. that? God, Of course. Something <laughs> complicated. We don't really
0: have to worry about it, so we haven't run into this problem. Thus, we haven't had to come up with a solution for the problem of Sysmon memory leaks. Is it an actively maintained? Package, I believe it still is. I would say that we were got really good at tipping stuff over, so it doesn't surprise me.
1: <laughs> My suggestion, maybe on that, is to every hour run a script that kills Sysmon and restarts it, so that you never get a huge list of uh, a memory usage on it. That's not a really great way of handling it, is it? But it's a, a workaround until you know the. Uh, say what? Well, well, Jeffrey is
0: claiming that it requires an uninstall, reinstall. Oh, <sighs> Ugly. Is there a specific Windows build? Is there a patch combination? Is it? Wow. Yeah. Chevy, I... if you've got any way of updating us with what you got, that that's. Terrible.
1: We do have some comments coming in about that, so we're going to review those comments after the webinar. Yeah. And then we'll respond to the questions when we when we pulse everything out. We'll kind of get through those and find what's important. Someone might have an answer for us, so.
2: I just hey, came to do in the softball does help have a, a
0: GUI or come on as the dashboard I can show that off here in just a second too we brought both through these last couple slides all right um, so. I'll let you sweet yep yeah, again we want to execute something that launches Mimi cats in your environment by a PowerShell cradle here you go execute t 1003. here's the command assuming you install it the same way I did dumps to this log thing we see the log thing goes into the Windows event viewer captured by sysmon sysmon logs are then picked up by our win log beat or the subscription sent to our forwarder Forwarder forwarders picked up sent into Logstash.
1: this is different in mimikatz right we could talk about five webcasts ago we talked about running mimikatz Mm -hmm. and catching it right But we caught it just in event logs this is now running mimikatz as a system that you can run, check, run, check, run, check. Right. So that's kind of what we're getting here. We're now past just MimiCats and we're now enveloping that internal system that allows us to check this very quickly
0: mm-hmm.
1: That's t 1003.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's T 1003. So then here we go. Right. We've got our last alert dashboard. We see these amazing things happening in our environment and we can go drill into them. What, what rules are getting flagged by Sigma? How are these alerts? kind of rising up in the dashboard. Why? We jump into the Docker, you know, exec framework in Bash and we look through stuff. So Elast Alert, Sigma, Elk, the whole thing is is really improving our ability to see. And this is how I asked Egypt, like, dude, are you doing things in our environment? Because it looks like something is happening that's not me. The problem is
1: we have so many people in our environment all the time.
0: Yeah. I just kind of ran across an interesting
1: comment on the on the questions, and I think it's worth noting that we didn't write these tools. We we have written for tools for BHS, but we didn't write the ones we're talking about today. And the the if you look at the amount of hours of development time that went into these open source tools, we're just talking about how to implement them in a change so that you can get a desired outcome. The amount of hours that went into this is huge. Indeed. To get to this. Yeah. <laughs> to get to this. <laughs> to make it meaningful, uh, it's awesome. The amount of effort people have put into it. And I do want to point out Cyber War Dog because he was instrumental. Uh,
0: Absolutely, this, so.
1: 100%. Also kind of hard to get a hold of. That's <laughs> right. <So, laughs> huh? Yeah.
0: So this may not be the most legible slide, but we are working on how to map all these things in all different manners and scorecards, and CyberWardog had already built the scorecard, so we didn't really bother talking about that because it's been done. We yep. really wouldn't be adding much value there, so check out Cyber War Dog's stuff. He does have an article from 2017 on how to implement all the stuff we've talked about essentially with a scorecard.
1: So I think the next step, and and I noticed that blog was from 2017, I believe. That we couldn't find is where it's automated so Mm -hmm. we've got now everything set up right to the point that we can now get to the point where test check test check test check and our next goal is to say test check test check and eventually you'll get to your scorecard which says test check test check found green right then you move on to the next type of uh, item on miter attack and getting to that's going to be pretty awesome
0: indeed and we'll we'll jump into a demo of the dashboard here real quick the hive what is the hive i wonder the hive mind anyway we're not really sure if we're a rap yet and so we're gonna demo a couple things I, I'm not even sure how much of how much value we can add by showing off the dashboard but regardless right we execute tests we catch those things we improve our endpoint detection response we do the same thing over again to make sure we're only catching what we're interested in and false positives aren't blowing up our dashboard and that we're not getting three thousand emails when someone you know, clicks on a link and PowerShell executes. We want to We want to get better. We want to catch what we want to catch and then improve over time.
1: Before you start the demo there, Jordan, I want to say this slide is interesting. I was trying to go back and grab all of the webcasts that kind of relate to this. And there's more than just this. This is just where I kind of gave up and stopped making little images. So all of these, if you notice, are, are screenshots of YouTube because <laughs> I thought it was easier for me to find them. My point being is that we post all this on YouTube and, I always think it's funny on YouTube. They say like subscribe and, and favorite and all that nonsense. It's because those all those videos are are monetized. So you have to watch the you know the the commercial beforehand. Um, none of these are are monetized. And even if they were, they're probably. They wouldn't be for a long way. I think Google or YouTube would have an issue with it. But going through these, you know, just go to our our, uh, YouTube. You'll be able to find these. If you've ever got a weekend where you don't have anything better to do, sit there and watch our webcast. I'll say I'm sorry in advance, but you're going to gain a lot of information about what we do, how we do it. Yeah. And you'll kind of get sped up to the point that you'll be able to do this now.
0: If someone was doing this. My favorite of all screenshots (laughs) dropped in any deck ever.
1: (laughs) Is, why am I holding these lines? Um, all of this has just taken so long to get to the point. And I think that's kind of what we're going to reiter- reiterate it's not five minutes to get to this point. It's been months. And if you jump on this webcast saying, hey, I can do this in five, you know, mm. but you can get there. You just have to have all the background of where we're at.
0: So Elk and Rita, yes, this is coming, and they are focusing initially on Sysmon ingests. That does not mean that's the only thing. John was trying to get us an advanced alpha copy, but I believe that's another month out.
1: And I think what's what's interesting with that is that we've demonstrated now we've chained all these things together and it became very clear that I wish there was something that would like, Put those in a, a nice wrapped present mm. and make it all work really well. And I think that's going to be our, our end goal with with that distribution is how can we make this actually make sense without having to spend time on every one of these packages, but instead get it to a point where you can deploy and it works. Yeah. Exactly. I, I know it's gonna take a long time for us to get there, but it, it's that's our goal on it. Well,
0: let's see. Live man needs a bag. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does indeed. So not really sure, you know, how much value you're going to get looking at our dashboard. But here is a sigma running against the log stash sets. These are all things that we can now go look at the T's that we've executed and make sure they're valid. Um, those are free fifty free. <laughs> Just like your slides should pull that back up. But yes. A- anyway, like the lo- the alert dashboard is beautiful. It helps parse, filter, free to the free, free, free. <laughs> <laughs> Almost free for the Windows stuff though. Almost, yeah, exactly. So then we let's see, we're in our functional help instance. Um, some cool stuff. Learn this trick from Ipsec. We're going to Docker PS look at the processes last dash big S and then we can go look at each of the individual dockers. Well
1: Why are we talking about Docker's now?
0: Yeah, right. Because this is how help deployed itself and it's beautiful in that initially I thought everything was broken because I didn't see open sockets, but Kafka apparently has forwarders that know what it's doing and pick things up and push them in the right places anyway. Um, so we do. Let me slow down here. We can show this off for just a sec. Cute docker less dash s. We want to see our running dockers in a way that is reasonable enough. We can just click to the right a few times. We can see all the open sockets associated with them. Alright, this one must be our log stash Docker. So we keep going to the right. Now we want to jump into our log stash. Not really. We're much more interested at this point in what the Elastic alert's doing. So hold on. So we talked about like chaining all these things together. You're saying inside of Helk
1: there's a bunch of Docker's that also have to chain together to make it all work. Oof.
0: Yes. That chain gets really long. It's a yes. That could be an absolute nightmare, can it? It's a
1: choo-choo <laughs> chain.
0: <laughs> so then we could go look at. Six that rolls. was terrible. Oh, yeah, that was really, really bad. Wow. Like I felt the burn on that. Wow. One.
2: Ouch. I feel like
1: you're in the weeds, but the irony is you're not, because if someone's going to set this up, this is kind of. Yeah. Kind oh, of where we have to end up at some yeah, point.
0: Exactly. So then, these are all the things we can see under Windows, all the things we can see under Linux, right? People, have a couple people asked about Filebeat, right? We installed Filebeat via apt, so now we can see our Linux stuff, and it dumped that into our log stash, right? For processing in Elasticsearch.
1: We mentioned uh, it was OSSEC and wazoo earlier as well, so even more. Stuff you can dump into your, into
0: your log stack and tell oh, exactly. More. More. So let's say we're interested in looking for a specific rule associated with someone executing an XOR encoded something or other, right? So you go on here, we're gonna find in this container, and we're gonna grep for XOR. What do we get? We get a process creation that involves PowerShell XOR command line. We can cat that file out. We can see what's in there. We can see what the detection mechanism is doing. And let's say we're interested in I don't know PowerShell, right? We can go see all these things that Sigma rules are looking for to now move into our Elasta Alert dashboard based on ingest.
1: so our chain we kind of talked about stopping between Winlogbeat and and Helk or Elk or Security Union. Between those two is Sigma. Is that correct? That's reading things yes, that come in and
0: then. Exactly. So
1: we've got Sysmon doing things to read, and then later on, you've got log beats that are reading the Windows Event Forwarder, and now you've got Sigma reading the Winlog beats before it goes into Helk Elk Security
0: Exactly. Choo choo. Oh, okay, that was uh, another pretty dense webcast where we're telling people to go look at a whole bunch of other pretty dense webcasts. I want to build a flow chart. That's a good idea.
1: I'm going to build the flowchart. The,
0: the flow chart of getting this operational while being paid by a company to get this stuff operational as an offensive, you know, adversary is actually amazing in that they, John wants us legit to become defenders, to sit in your shoes and understand what you go through on a daily basis. So this is where we've ended up. Things are getting better. We're doing better at doing what you do, hopefully on a daily basis. Well, Questions. Keep. Do we have anything else interesting here? Do we have more interesting?
1: <laughs> uh, I will make a comment that on our webcast there's going to be a CISO that says none of that was free. None of that was with hours. You're telling me it took 17 months and it was free?
2: <laughs> <laughs> time is time is money. Yeah.
1: Time is money. That's why we're. Money trying is money. money. We, we've we've set forth this pain to try to get there. So of others in the community, open source community. We're trying to do it where you don't where we can minimize that number as much as we can.
2: Too legit to quit. Oh, I like this question. Do you see a well-manicured EDR as a replacement for Sysmon slash wef? I don't know.
0: What's your budget? So kind of it, it, Windows Defender, tell me that Windows Defender is not exceptionally effective these days. They have the they, have the they have quote-unquote open-source intelligence of every Windows 10 deployment on Earth at this point, like pushing data oh. into their cloud for processing, right? So Windows Defender is now operating out of the guise that I see all activity on all Windows systems that, it, it, that hits my processing engines. Um, so
1: you raise an interesting point that when you run Atomic Red Team, was Windows Defender enabled?
0: No, I had to kill it. Absolutely it yeah, no, It's to catch those you, things. You tried, I tried to install the Atomic Red Team framework with Defender enabled, and it's deleting everything as it's coming okay. in.
1: So then the question becomes, well, if I have Windows Defender, do I need to even do any of this? I, I, I have Windows Defender. Well, Hopefully. Uh, the idea is that – Good luck. So, right, because – We didn't try to do anything that would bypass it, right? Bypass Defender, because it can be bypassed. I think that's what's important to state here is the time my red team doesn't try to do anything to bypass this stuff, but it's bypassable. And that's what, you know, BHS does on their engagements all the time is bypass the fact that you have AV. If we can get past that, then we can still run our exploits. So you still want to do this because you want to catch the exploits as they run, even if the attacker was able to get uh, bypass AV.
0: Yeah, and I've seen the ATP so many times in this comments section that it's worth talking about. Um, advanced threat protection is an incredibly expensive tool that is incredible at what it is tasked t- to do, which is see everything adversaries do on your network. I mean, it it was a uh, was it Derek that ran up against an ATP network? They saw everything he did. I mean, there was no, it it didn't miss anything, basically. But yes, cost dollars.
1: Right? Uh, Ruben, the flow chart when we post on the uh, when we post on the blog, we'll make sure we have a flow chart in there for you because it's I realized and maybe I, I, a picture of a choo train. And that's all I'm going
2: to like that. CJ does maybe, not like a that. Yard. maybe a switch yard, not a choo-choo train. Yeah. Guys never go linear. It'll be a
1: kill chain. Ooh. A reverse kill chain. Yeah, say that. A life chain?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll Preferences between Helk and Security Onion. Kent absolutely loves Security Onion
0: because of the other integrations it has. I have not played with security onion a whole lot um installation is easy they come with custom isos it's ready to ingest packet data it's ready to ingest log data it's got pretty dashboards it's yep
1: so security Onion was useful in the fact that even with ELK, right there's a there's back-end signatures that are put on elk they're both both built on elk so if you look at it from that perspective but security has a lot of other features in it they've got the wazoo receiver in it, so you can run Wazuh on, you know, Linux and Windows, and it can ingest those logs and then make sense of those logs. Security Yen also does PCAP analysis, so if you've got it with a mirror on the security system it'll actually capture attacks as they happen and then you can pull up the attack and the associated pcap with it so it's great from an ir perspective that way um does not do that so from the perspective of our demo here we didn't need all that and if we did it it would just make our headaches that much worse in trying to get this to you know a working fashion because like i said i got really great at tipping this thing over (laughs) but from that note we use Security Onion to monitor all that stuff anyway. Because where I said we have those taps right, they're going, they're getting bro capture, but we're also using Security Onion to build all of those PCAPs for us. So any attack that hits us, we're generating a a PCAP of it that we can go back and, and later look at and investigate.
0: Now is, all right, is a great point right here.
1: And that system is huge. So you talk about right sizing, think about all that traffic we're doing and we have to capture it and
0: make PCAPs on it. It is massive. Yep. And one more thing. This, go ahead, CJ. You got something on your mind, too.
2: No, you guys got one minute. So apologies no, no. to all the great questions we didn't answer. This, this individual just made the point that we are trying to make. He, he made it really, really
0: effective. So using Elk and Sysmon in time well spent, right? So we're investing resource capital expenditure to deploy Elk, Elk, Sysmon, capture these things. We are switching from learning about incidents and how to handle them to hey we had an incident we caught let's let's talk about the lessons we learned from the incident and move on right instead of holy crap we're in and we've got some serious trouble there's been somebody on our network for two months to hey look somebody got in we caught them we shut down the box we did our memory forensics and we can do our wrap-up what lessons did we learn how awesome is that ir report when you can say look we have all the logs as opposed to how they got in we caught them they executed a thing we caught it yeah they did not escape the box here's our wrap-up real quick help versus elk why
1: Uh, Uh, elk doesn't have any signatures pre-written it does not not there's no
0: sigma no last alert integration cyber war dog made this really nice for us with really really easy
1: so that's kind of why we looked at how elk has that and it's actually hunter elk right so it's made hunting elk
0: this is a threat hunting elk um, installation.
1: Elk is awesome for a sim, but there's no signatures pre-built, right? So you're going to be spending a lot of time building signatures, whereas security unit has generalized signatures built. So you can index, and once you have indexed, thank you, TJ. What's <laughs> <laughs>
2: up? We've got right. people who got to go to the next meeting. Yep, this any final words? words. Any final words?
0: I really appreciate everyone.